Sweet Stash is a home-baked business specializing in cake pops, brownies, cakes, and more. Celebrate your special occasions with all of your favorite people. If we're at a party and they have Sweet Stash, I know where Mario will be. Buy the cake pop stand. To place your orders, check them out on Facebook or Instagram. Are you all ready to up your drinking game? Absinthe Minded AZ is a pretty freaking amazing and super rare company. Absinthe is truly an acquired taste type of drink. People like Picasso, Hemingway, and Van Gogh were known to throw back a few. I mean, The Raven may have never been written if Edgar Allan Poe wasn't drinking this stuff. Who, by the way, was an artilleryman in the United States Army. Go Redlegs! This misunderstood spirit became legal again in the United States in 2007. And now you can try it for yourself here in AZ. Plus, co-owners Doc Ordovich and Justin Slusher are pretty cool dudes. Absence Minded is produced with 100% natural herbs based off of traditional formulations with variations to accommodate the palates of the modern drinker. Pour, sip, and enjoy. So if you want to find out more about this amazing company, go to their Facebook page or AbsenthemindedAZ.com. And their Instagram page is pretty dope. Fallen! All right, all right, everybody take a seat, grab a drink, let's get this show started. Three, two, one. How are you doing? I'm sad. Oh, because it's 20 years? Yeah. We're uh, recording today on September 11th, 2021. I know the show's not going to come out till next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time you you listen to this, uh, 9-11, uh, 20-year anniversary has gone. But uh, not the memory, because that's one thing we always promised from the beginning, was mm-hmm. we would never forget. So figured, um, why not make this episode special? Mm-hmm. A little remembrance to our fallen, all the heroes um, that were created all of the, uh, the the victims on 9-11 and after, uh, in war and uh, off war, mm-hmm. as uh, suicides continue in our, our services. So, so sad. To include fire department and, and police officers. So we've never been in, in, in a tougher situation when it mm-hmm. comes to our first responders. So um, in these times as well where uh, first responders aren't, thought of as heroes anymore like we we used to think of them we we still do but yeah many other people don't uh i think they need us the most especially on this day when it was their their day to shine and they did what they had to do you did something very sweet today what did i do um when we went to the um well one we were watching 9-11 coverage and watching a documentary just like I think we just kind of decided to, like me personally, I just wanted to watch and feel the moment and yeah. process it because I have such a desire to just turn it off and pretend, you know, because it's so difficult to well, watch. We've been avoiding it. Yeah, we have. Uh, specifically that show because uh, it came out a few, I want to mm-hmm. say a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. at least two weeks ago. So it's been out. Yeah. Um, and... Um, People have talked about it, and I've listened to people kind of describe it, and mm-hmm. I saw the preview, and I was like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah. I just wasn't ready. I, I just, I don't know why it just wasn't. Uh, I think it was too close to, it was happening in the midst, it, it came out right in the midst of the uh, 
as okay. we were leaving Afghanistan. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's just been so, a brutal that, month. So it was. It, it, it that's why. Yeah. Um, I just I just thought of it. That's why I couldn't watch it. I forgot I was in a funky spot. I think a lot of us. Where I reached yeah. out to a lot of my battle buddies, and they reached out to me, and um, I'm sure you know you as well. But it's been it's just, yeah, it's weird. been it's just been weird. a brutal month. And Different. so we watched it. So today we were like, you know what? We're going to sit down. We're going to honor the day. Um, and then you were like, you know what? Let's take a break because I want to get a new flag. We always have a flag. But um, yeah, but a month you ago, wanted, I took this one. The yeah. storms have been crazy here. Yes. And it's just, you know, old and worn out. Mm-hmm. Hot Needs summers. to be retired. Yeah. So we went down to the Ace Hardware. Oh, and if I might add, mm-hmm. um, the anchor was falling off as well because mm-hmm. of all the storms and oh, how yeah. windy it got and crazy that the anchors were also falling. So even if the, the, the flag was old, I probably wouldn't have taken it down until I bought a new one and then I would have retired that flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because the anchors were were falling, yeah, like, I, I, just, it wasn't. I didn't want it to go. Yeah. Know? And, and so, um, so we haven't had a, fa- a flag for about a week, yeah. two weeks maybe. And then I figured today would be a perfect day to... To, mm-hmm. to put the flag out. So yeah. get a brand new one, get it started today. So we went to Ace Hardware, found um, everything we needed. They're very patriotic. They're giving away flags today. But there was a police officer there. And I noticed he was there um, in uniform, but I didn't pay attention because in that little corner in our neighborhood, that's like their hangout. Um, you always see police in their cars you see lots of police in that area and i think it's like probably um just like a a meeting spot or something um they must be very user friendly or not user friendly police friendly one of those restaurants or something i don't know but well i think gilbert in general yeah they are but that that parking lot you see them a lot so it kind of didn't even dawn on me that much but then I'm walking out, and then all of a sudden you were gone, and you had taken Easton over to shake up the officer's hand, and I was like, where are they? And then by the time I got over there, the moment was gone, so I don't really know what you guys said, but I'm sure it was very thoughtful. Oh, we just thoughtful. thanked them. We just thanked them, especially mm-hmm. today. I feel like today's their day, like I mentioned. Um, first responders, you know, they've always been heroes. Yeah. But um, I always wanted to be a firefighter when I was mm-hmm. in, in high school. That was one of my... my my goal. So I, I feel like I always, and then I always want to be in the military. Mm-hmm. A few times I tried, went to take the ASVAB test and I did well, but my parents never allowed me to, to finalize anything. My parents were so, they just didn't understand it. They yeah. were from another country, you know, they had moved over here at an older age. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, not that old, but still they were adults. And um, the military might have different connotation to them yeah it, it, it does to them anything here. the police as well because in mexico everyone's corrupt yeah. Yeah. so to them they didn't trust anybody yeah you know government and uh, police military so they didn't understand it yeah and so every time at every corner they would try to block me you know there were a few times where i tried and and i had a few talks with the recruiter i remember one time the recruiter came over to my house so <laughs> intimidating my dad is that he was literally working on on the car the guy comes over tries to talk to him my dad doesn't even move doesn't mm-hmm. even look at him doesn't even, nothing the guy reaches out to gra- uh, shake his hand doesn't even nothing doesn't even acknowledge like he's he doesn't even acknowledge i'm there <laughs> and then the guy goes inside and sits down he's like well there's nothing we can do i mean just and and, and it didn't matter because i think i was already 18 yeah. at the time 
uh, I think he was just trying to do his due, due diligence, diligence and, yeah. and talk to the family and all this other stuff, but they weren't having it. So, but eventually, um, I never showed up for my, uh, my medical exam yeah. uh, at, uh, MEPS. If yeah. You, right. And, uh, so I, I never, so, so I, you never got in the military. I didn't, I didn't no. You I never, mean, ever. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> that was it. Eventually I did. Um, <laughs> but this is when, I, like I said, I was 18. Yeah. I had just graduated high school, I believe. And uh, there were other times where I talked to recruiters, but I never kind of went through with the follow-up yeah. with the ASVAP or with the... Uh, this was the only time I had taken the ASVAP. Oh. Like, I went as far as taking the ASVAP. Everything was ready, and then I just... I, I never showed up to to mm. to MEPS, and my parents just didn't let me. They just convinced me to not do it. Yeah. They convinced me to not do it, so... But then... So then... Yeah, so then... Um, you went later. I um, went later. I, I mean, I was 23, which is the old winter, guy, which is, is a little basic. bit older. We had a guy that was in his thirties, like late thirties, yeah. um, and um, he was old to us. Yeah, <laughs> he was old to us. But um, yeah, I uh, so twenty three wasn't too bad. I was still in shape. Um, I actually had to get back in shape. Oh yeah, but it's a little bit different when you're younger, getting in shape. Yes, because it only took a few months. But I um, to to well, let me let me I'll I'll actually start from 9-11 mm-hmm. since that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit and then um, you can tell me or share your story of 9-11 mm-hmm. and then that I'll, I'll kind of lead it into me joining the military okay. right because there's a lot of stuff there that I'm probably going to talk about things that I've probably never talked about mm-hmm. or shared um, with 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 anybody I don't even know if you know I mean probably won't come to much surprise to you but just some of my feelings I guess uh-huh. of what was going through my head at that time so 9-11, 20 years ago, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was married. We were young. We were pregnant with, with, with Jacob, which I should say my oldest. I mean, this is all part of the, the legacy and the story, <laughs> right? Uh, we've got two older boys together, but that's Crystal's story, so I'll let her mm-hmm. talk about them. But either way, that's, that's our family. If any of you know us, you know we're the Brady Bunch, yeah. the military Brady Bunch, <laughs> if you will, so... Uh, anyways, um, so my wife at the time was eight months pregnant, and um, we were riding to work together. Well, I was giving her a ride. We had one car. We were young. I was, mm-hmm. tw- I, I think I was twenty-two. She was twenty-one, and uh, we were pregnant. I worked at a bar, uh, Macayo's actually. I was a bartender slash waiter. Mm-hmm. She was. Um, she worked at an office downtown Phoenix, and we shared one car, a little green Focus little four-door green focus and uh, I was driving her to work as we did every day because she started early and obviously me working in the restaurant business I didn't start till later so I would take her home you know come come I mean take her to work come home change shower whatever and then I'd go to work and usually I'd get out before her or I would work the night shift and then I would just go do whatever at home go pick her up come back go to work that was our routine Mm-hmm. It was it was a it was a, a normal routine, right? I think we that was the thing is we were kind of stuck in this routine, and for being young and pregnant, you know, I feel like you know we had our issues like any young couples mm-hmm. would, right? I'm not gonna sit here and say hey, everything happened after nine eleven, but whatever issues we had, um, definitely were magnified by nine eleven mm-hmm. because we were driving to work that day, and we heard on the radio. Mm-hmm. We used to listen to Howard Stern at the time. And he was talking about it. And he, they were talking about how from their office they could see the towers. And we're like, that's a joke, right? Like, Howard Stern is known 
for doing big pranks, big jokes, things like that. I'm like, that's a horrible thing. And I'm like, and and one, I had just kind of started getting back into Howard Stern. Yeah. Because when I was in high school in El Paso, right, huge Selena fans, right, he got in trouble for making fun of Selena and her fans and her followers, mm-hmm. uh, even playing the the song Beedy Beedy Bom Bom, right? Uh-huh. Along with like gunshots after she got shot oh and, and killed, right? So I get it. He's he's a shock jock, right? Yeah. And so that was his whole thing, except for El Paso, uh, the station that was playing him, they got canceled. Because, oh I mean, you, you insulted El Paso's like yeah. 90% Mexicans. So yeah. anyways, so he got, in El Paso at least, that's that he got canceled there mm-hmm. and i think in a few other states or cities probably predominantly hispanic and yeah. i'm sure all across texas either way obviously that didn't stop him so i wasn't the biggest howard stern fan just because of that part yeah. and, and i re- never really listened to him at that time anyways i just was going off what i had heard and what i understood and i didn't like him yeah but um but liz liked him and i started getting into it mm-hmm. he was kind of funny i got it i got the humor i understood mm-hmm. it was all jokes right not everybody mm-hmm. likes them and so we got into it and that's what we would listen to every day mm-hmm. religiously and um i didn't believe it i could not believe it i was like these guys be joking I'm like this is the farthest he's gone like if he didn't get canceled before for other shit like yeah then like, this will like be with, it like with selena this this yeah. has to be it right if he's if he's fucking around so yeah. we were kind of left with this wonder we didn't quite know oh my gosh and then um and i I honestly don't remember the rest of the ride back i don't remember if i changed the stations to try to figure it out i don't even i don't remember i all i remember the next thing that i remember i should say is being at home watching the second plane hit the towers Mm -hmm. and that's that's all i could remember and then i thought that's it like we're under attack yeah and at that time i only knew saddam hussein as the bad Mm, guy right because growing up in the 90s gulf war I didn't know anybody else. I didn't know about bin Laden. Yeah. Even, even though, you know, he had attacked us, you know, within the last five years, six years. And he was involved in, in, in you know, he was the main guy in Al-Qaeda. And he had been on the news. I didn't care for the news. You got to remember, this was in my, like, 17, yeah. 18 teens up to, like, I, yeah. got, I got a girl pregnant. We got married young. Mm-hmm. And now we're about to have a baby. So during those five, six years, yeah. I was not listening or paying attention to nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know. And so when we heard this, like, Afghanistan, I'm like, oh, what's that? What's in Afghanistan? <laughs> what's what's a Bin Laden? You know, mm-hmm. and so you start hearing all this stuff. And but I thought at first I was like it was Saddam Hussein. It was Saddam Hussein. That was my first thought. Oh. I remember that. Uh, and then I thought this is crazy. I thought we're going to war. They're gonna com- come up with a draft or anything else. And now the thoughts of me being in the military start coming back mm-hmm. because, like I said before, I, I tried mm-hmm. and I was cock blocked essentially by my parents. <laughs> and um, but now here's this this opportunity. But I, I, I but I'm having a baby. So that that thought quickly went to the back of my mind and then went to survival because after that, that day at the restaurant, by the way, was -hmm. the most solemn, slowest day, weirdest day of my life. There was nobody there. Mm -hmm. There was maybe 10 customers and this is the Macayos in Scottsdale. I don't know if it's still there or not, but it was pretty big. Um, And there was about 10 people in the restaurant. Oh my gosh. And most of them were like coupled up, right? Like like coworkers, yeah. Someone nearby or whatever, and so it was like two, like two two tables, two people per table. That that was pretty much. It was just little small groups. So in essence, we just had what you would call five parties. Yeah. In the in the whole place. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember the whispers. 
Mm. Everybody was for some reason nobody talked. They were all whispering. The news were on. We had all the news, everything else. It was the weirdest thing. You could hear a pin drop. The people were like, "And then what do you think? What do you think is gonna happen?" And all you could hear was like the attacks, and then the plane, and then I heard this, and I heard this other thing, and all this just rumors, just whispers, whispers, Mm -hmm. whispers. The whole restaurant. I remember, even when you talk to people, just whispers. I remember just people whispering. (laughs) I remember going to the store. People were so kind to each other. Yeah. People were scared. Everybody was scared. We were so fucking scared. Mm -hmm. We were about to have a baby in a month. Oh my gosh. All flights were canceled for like two, three weeks, I believe, right? They only opened certain. It was a long time. I want to say at least two weeks, but I mean, we can. I'll be a Jamie and look look it up. up. But either when, it was, was, and there was a lot of restrictions. Either way, for a long time, things were not the same. Shit, they're still not the same. No, no. for traveling. It's some of crazy. those things, some of the things were permanent. We don't even realize anymore what we the freedom we used to have. Well, you remember when you would meet you could, people at the gate? Yes, That's the yes, biggest thing yes, that changes me. Right. Like uh, you would right. have people yes. come in, and then you would go at the gate, and you would wait at the gate, and that to me is the weirdest thing. That because like you would travel with yeah. the military because I was in it before, and you'd come home just from yeah. Training shoes, or something. Shoes. You didn't, oh, you didn't have yeah. to take out shoes. You take There's out so shoes. many things that, that were permanent. It's but at, so But at that time, it was really hard to travel. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. And um, however long it took, um, there was there were a lot of scary stuff. Um, the world, we didn't know what was going to happen. Was this World War Three? You know, I didn't yeah. know. I was, so, I was so ignorant to the military and, and world events at that time. I really was. Yeah, me po- too. Poli- politics and all that stuff. I, I um, It's funny you say that, but you were in the military when at that time. <laughs> I know. Like, I was so ignorant to the military. I'm like, you were in the military. <laughs> <laughs> I was very ignorant on, um, yeah, on but what. Global yeah. politics and, and all that. I, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. And I'm not saying I know more now but i I do know more now than i did then um i understand it better got more involved especially after you know being in the military and serving overseas obviously but you know still at that point i didn't know shit okay i have the answer for you okay it's they were down for two days but flights slowly resumed so they were down for two days and then they probably they didn't go just, just like, all, okay, we put, turned them back on. Yeah. So it was probably because they had to get people in and out oh, certain of, places, of yeah, certain places. So it was stuck. probably like, you know, oh, I have to go to New York for family. Yeah. And also they had to bring in people for assistance because I remember, right. yeah, yeah. you know, everyone's going, going down there. Going to New York and all that. Yeah. So, well, whatever, whatever it was, yeah. what, I know that for a long time it was, there were so many restrictions and yeah. whatever the case, but it, it was scary. It was yeah. scary at the time, and uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. So, um, like I mentioned before, we're having a baby. Mm. So, obviously, that strained the relationship. Uh, money wasn't coming in. Oh, yeah. Especially everything. in the restaurant business. I mean, everything was shut down. Yeah, for, people weren't in the mind for almost to party. A year, for almost a year, it, 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 it didn't really yeah. go back. Uh, eventually, stuff did go back, uh, but by then, it was too late. So, for me, like, it really put this emphasis on a straining relationship that I was having as, as a, as a young man, you mm-hmm. know, young family. Um, and so my mind, I don't know where my mind was going. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to do something about this. I was, yeah. even then I was still 
angry about it but i was confused i was scared but mm-hmm. i was like well i have a kid though i need to focus on him and things like that so eventually uh it, it just it didn't work out mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll leave it at that and once we separated um i had nothing else to do she she moved to chicago well mm-hmm. illinois uh you know not far from chicago this is where she grew up that's where we met I moved in with her her grandparents, and I went back with my parents, and I joined the military. Mm-hmm. When I did my research, like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to be a firefighter when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And actually, I did apply for the fire department in El Paso because you could be 18 and be a firefighter. You have to be mm-hmm. 21 to be a police officer. Oh. And so I applied when I turned 18 to be a firefighter. And when I had moved about a year and a half later to Chicago, I got a letter. Mm-hmm. And El Paso came in that I had been uh, invited to test for oh, wow. the fire department in El Paso, but I was living in Chicago at the time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like moving. I, yeah. Looking back on it now, everybody says, well, you should have done this, should have done that. I'm like, yeah, I should have done that. And then I would have been a firefighter like I always wanted to, but then I wouldn't have had my, my babies. Then yeah. I wouldn't have met, been in the military. I wouldn't have met you. So yeah. there's all these freaking things just like out mm-hmm. of this chaos all this death and destruction happened and it changed the world forever. Yeah. Because if you change America's path, you change the world's path. Yeah. You, you know, America has Correct. that much influence in, in the world. So it really did change the world forever. You know, but mm-hmm. then again, what are all the things that came from it that were good? Uh, and we would have probably never met. Yeah. If it wasn't yeah. for that, you know, meeting in the military. Easton would have never been born. You yeah. know, that's our youngest. That's the one I was shouting earlier. <laughs> The one that was born of chaos. Yes. Uh, it's probably he's got a little bit of, he's probably got some brain issues going on there from all the shit we got <laughs> shot up with in the military and yeah. all the all the stuff we, we inhaled uh, being in Iraq. No kidding. So anyways, support kids going to have all kinds of issues. But anyways, uh, we ha- keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that was, um, that was my day. And that was kind of the, the, the aftermath. And then, yeah, we were getting into the whole military thing. So mm-hmm. then I finally decided this was it. And the reason why I went with the National Guard is because, one, when I started doing my research, you could go from state to state. I wanted to join, since I was in El Paso, I already started talking to somebody, and then eventually transfer to Illinois mm-hmm. and be with my son. Yeah. Be with my son. That was the plan. I even have, I have a diary. Yes, I kept do. the time, and I have the maps. Yeah. I have all the. I drew a map of the U.S. and I drew all the closest bases. Then I even thought about going active duty mm-hmm. after the fact too. In fact, I started talking to yeah. to, to a recruiter when I came back from basic training. Um, I started talking to a recruiter, uh, an active duty recruiter, and he said, "He goes, yeah, yeah. He's, I, I think I can get you in in six. Normally, you have to wait like a year, or something like that." Uh, and he goes, "But I think I got I got an in with somebody from your battalion. I mm-hmm. think I can I can get you in like." Six months, maybe three yeah. months, uh, if they can, you know, release you, you can go active duty. And I was like, yeah, I want to be airborne. I want to go 101st because yeah. I had just watched the, <laughs> I just watched the um, Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so I, I was like, yeah. And I was like, and, and I had redone the plan. I like, it's only a two hour flight from from Kentucky to oh, to Illinois, go. something like that. I could go visit like every other weekend. So yeah. I, I was making all kinds of crazy plans. And then I even looked. There's only one armory in Illinois, and it's it's that that I saw that I saw and and uh, the or maybe the the closest one in that area. And it's some weird armory that I think 
might be the one that houses that one public affairs unit that replaced us. Oh, you yeah. remember they were from Illinois. I didn't know that back then, obviously. But oh, yeah. so my point is that I was looking at all my options. Mm-hmm. You know, if I stayed National Guard, where could I transfer to? And then the other thing that I read about the National Guard, I knew you could get activated and go to war. Yeah. I read that. Um, but I saw like, oh, they're the ones that fight all the forest fires. Oh. And I want to be a firefighter. It's like I can knock out two birds with one stone. There you go. So that that those were the reasons why I decided National Guard. And also they gave me a $10,000 bonus for making things go boom. Because <laughs> when I said, what's artillery? The 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 recruiter literally said, uh, you can you make things go boom. I was like, I like making things go boom. Sign me up. And $10,000? Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. You're like, I'll pay you more. I'm like, oh, you're giving me $10,000. Even, <laughs> even better. <laughs> Too so, cute. So that was me in, in, in the military. And then, you know, two deployments later and, you know, uh, a tour on, on the, the border mission and countless uh hundreds and if not thousands of hours of training and being away from home and weekends and active duty time. I served, I made, I did the math. I served over four years, almost five years actually of active duty time. Oh my gosh. I think it's actually over five years because if you count my, uh, my time in, you know, from basic training, the count, the time down the border mission, the time that I was on uh, the yellow ribbon orders where we're helping service members coming back from overseas, things like that. So yeah, over five years of, of active duty time, title 10 or title 32, essentially. Wow, that's crazy. So being in, actually in uniform, that that was a a lot of time. And I did all all kinds of weird shit. (laughs) My career path was not like the normal one. I I went from artillery to artillery was was disbanded here in Arizona Mm -hmm. uh, for for territory reasons. They couldn't afford the land anymore to to shoot and train. And so then I ended up in public affairs. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where, where we met. Yeah. Uh, but um, then I ended up working with this yellow ribbon program where mm-hmm. I didn't even drill. I just, I my, my I weekends know. were, in my week, I, I did it full time. Mm-hmm. So my full week and then the weekends, uh, once, maybe twice a month, depending, mm-hmm. were, 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 were full of um, helping service members returning from overseas mm-hmm. and seeing them directly as mm-hmm. they're coming home, how that, that, that shit look on their face. Yeah. Of like, I hate my unit. I hate everyone I hate, here. I hate half the people My here. Yeah. I, I only trust two or three people here. Yeah. I mean, it it was it was it was tough. You know, it was tough for for mm-hmm. for for units. I mean, not every unit. There was units that loved each other. Yeah. There were units that trusted each other, had great leadership. I yeah. always blame the leadership when a unit comes back and it's not cohesive. So yeah, there yep. were few. There were few units that that were really doing really well. Yeah. Um, but most of them, it was it was sad, and I was like, that was us. That was us, our, our unit coming back from, from deployment, the yeah. public affairs unit. Because oh, my yeah. first unit, we were okay. We Our yeah. commander wasn't great. He wasn't that involved. But for the most part, we were all brothers. And yeah. uh, there was about uh, 150 of us. And, you and know, you still artillery, talk to people. And I still talk to most of them. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I talk more to probably most of them than I do anyone from our last unit. Our, our unit that unit was, was all traders losers. from the top down. Yeah. Uh, but it gave me the skills that I use today to to run the show. Yeah. To write, to to oh, to, yeah. to speak uh, professionally. <laughs> uh, no, you know, just more of a it gave me that that boost of confidence. You, you take know. the best, ignore the worst. Um, so um, anyways, then that was uh, my 9-11 and the after effects that it had on me <laughs> to this day it's been sad 
Yeah, it, today has been so sad. I, I could barely get to Ace Hardware with you. I was like, I totally could have had a day in bed. At one point, I had to just jump on the elliptical because I was yeah. like, I need to get up because this it was just like taking over it. Because when you just see what the what happened on that day and when you review some of the things like, you know, everyone gives – like if – like they were writing memos about terrorists and Al Qaeda. And when you think about the technology we have today, um, I know it's fucked up right now with everything that's happened in the past month and how Afghanistan ended. And it's disgusting that the Taliban is just a horrible institution. It was horrible before. Afghanistan was a pretty beautiful country, and then the Taliban, then Russia came in, then the Taliban came in, and it devastated it. Pretty much like Iraq. Iraq was a very beautiful country before Saddam. Um, before Saddam, and it's just sad what these people do to it, and it's sad that we, you know, I don't have to say how sad it is that all of the work. 20 years of work like people are like we and i'm working on not being bitter at all the fuck faces that were just like talking like like the the never-ending wars we got it in you know blah 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 and not when you say that it that it was just so dismissal dismissive sorry of everything that happened in 20 years it wasn't the never-ending war it's like good things were happening all the time and so it um all those people just really so why you got to be careful what you write on because i was like i remember those people i'm going back and looking at them now and they got real quiet really fast but my 9-11 story is just like walking out i'm a news person i always have been the first thing i would do um is turn on the news. That's how I started my day. So I walked out, turned on the news. One airplane was in a building, and the second one was right after. So I watched the second one go in. I kept my my little one wasn't going to school. I kept my oldest one. He was, like, in first grade. Kept him home because I didn't know what was going on. I actually had been working at a fire department at that time. Um, so that was an interesting um, turn because, oh, I was interning. That's what happened. For CARE 7? For CARE 7. So they we were stationed out of a fire department, and I was interning with them um, because I was like, wait a second. I remember being at my regular job that I worked I worked at University of Phoenix until I graduated. But the minute I graduated, like literally day one I graduated, the next day I got hired full time at the fire department. So that, that but I interned there up until I got hired. Yeah. So it was perfect for me. But it was really interesting to see all of that. Now I had gotten out of the military. I did my first enlistment six years. Um, and it ended 
and I was pregnant. And they were like, do you just want to get out? And it was pretty vanilla because there was nothing going on. Yeah. I remember. So was, yeah, there was no. Yeah. I, no I remember. Recruit, no that, retention, NCOs, things like that. Like that, Yeah. No. It was just like, oh, do you want to? And I was like, oh, I had two kids. It wasn't. I mean, we, we went to Germany for two weeks for our AT. It was yeah. fun. Oh, my gosh. I. This was what the National Guard what people thought it was back then yeah people drinking and they, yeah. that's when they called us the 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 nasty girls the uh <laughs> what else they call weekend warriors that yeah, kind of stuff but right? i mean but it was like i to me there was more camaraderie because like you went to the field and people had grills so yeah, you yeah. would work you would do your your job i was uh, in supply and you would take care of things we, and we would do we would sleep i mean we you didn't take tents out there yeah. because we were small like our little platoon yeah. and it, we would it wasn't go out a, there it wasn't a war it wasn't but we would sleep unit. in um circles so we'd sleep out under the stars which i i never did after that because then you had funding we probably didn't have funding <laughs> yeah tents and stuff you're thinking you're being hardcore yeah the reality is you guys have no money but so. i was like it was pretty cool i we went up yeah. there and then someone would and you know you would work and then after six o'clock someone would break out and it was like you would sit around and you would talk and that was probably more warlike than most wars, you know, that that camaraderie. It's like when people would hang out at their chews. Like, um, yeah. like you never, the, I, the one thing I wish civilians could see is the, the cool ways that um, soldiers will make a home anywhere. Yeah. And their chews, which stands for, what is it, container, containerized housing units. housing units. And people would make decks they would be so cool it's one of my favorite things i yeah. wish i had taken more pictures i have a video of us making oh, one you have so i mean just it bada was bings. amazing named it bada bings <laughs> after the strip club from the show uh, -huh. uh sopranos oh there you go see bings, and i think yeah. that that with netting and everything yeah and so we that's what we would have out in florence you would have all that and there were just it didn't seem and i was very young i signed up when i was 17 I was like, I literally had to care. get out. No, Your parents did not care. <laughs> yeah, my my dad was dead, so I just needed a death certificate, and I needed my mom, and that was she was gonna sign anything. So, I was happy, but then I just got out because it wasn't very exciting. I had two kids, and it just was like, okay, I'm done. And then that was 2000, 2001 hits, and all of this cool shit. Uh, not the day. The day was sad. I went through the mourning process and like unbelievable. I wish that I, I didn't understand it that day the way that I understand all of the things. It was just shocking. Like, oh my gosh. And then today, when you look through the timeline, I really never hit me how many times we were attacked by terrorists. Like it was like, every other year they were hitting us yeah. and like i remember the uss cole killing 17 um uh marine or navy no navy yeah but i didn't now until they re-explained it and they probably didn't know how to explain it 20 years ago now they know it was a, it was basically a, a v-bed in a boat yeah they just ran a boat into it i would have never understood yeah, it was a bee 
Yeah, that suicide. Bevid. Yeah, Bevid. I would have, I never put that together that that's how they, and then they hit the um, the cafeteria on the boat. And so they got so many um, Yeah, they got people. more people because of that. So just shocking. And I remember I watched it and then I was always a news person. So for um, two years, I just watched it. And I remember the night of the um, shock and awe against Iraq. Mm. And I signed up in, in 2003. So this was, I got out in 2000, 2001 hit. And I was like, that, now there's something to do. Yeah. Like, like before I just, it was just, a, you just showed up at Drill and blah, blah, blah. And I remember one E7 being very frustrated with me. She was a female E7. And she's like, you're just like a gypsy, aren't you? And I remember, because I lived this very, I was just... Da, 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 whatever um i probably drove her crazy like i tend to do my entire military career but i remember just being like i wore civilian clothes the first year until i went to, you didn't get your clothes and i signed up at 2017 oh because you because i hadn't been to basic yet 2017 so, or i'm sorry when i was 17 oh yeah so i didn't get to go to basic um, so I drilled a whole year in civilian clothes. Oh, yeah. Well, there's programs now. Yeah, now they like, have programs. Yeah. You get, they, they. The so top, I, never... I think, basic training orientation program, which is where I met one of my favorite uh, NCOs. Shout out to Lopez. Uh, yeah, Sergeant. we had none of that. So I just piddled around. But then I remember I was like, it just seemed like we got to do this. Like, yeah. now it's the time. Like, so what now... made you join? That absolutely that like I felt like I did six years of nothing and then now it's it's just getting good like like I wanted to deploy I wanted I wanted to be a part of that and I don't know if it was coming off of um, being at the fire department which you can imagine yeah. it's like we had people coming and talking to us like the the gifts were just our doors were lined with it. Um, when, um, we, we had people who went to 9-11 that helped out. I mean, they were recycling yeah, yeah. those firefighters from everywhere yeah, and they would come out and they would debrief or they would not debrief with us. They would tell us about it. And they told us about the sites and like how, so I saw it from that point of view. And then it was like, I got to see it from the military point of view and, um, and I was very thankful because I just called someone and he's like, sure, come on down here. And he's like, I had my degree by then. He goes, do you want to be an officer? And I was like, the class, he goes, you can be public affairs. And the school is like two weeks because you're reclassing. Hmm. Or you can be an officer, but that school is two months. And I was like, I was a mom, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to take that three weeks. that two months. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I would not change. Yeah, know. You know, it's like the thing. It's like that would have been the smarter thing. But now when I look back, the public affairs, every job I got after that was absolutely because of public affairs, yeah. that we had a really cool job. The problem is that public affairs in the military attracts fucking weirdos <laughs> and people get very um it's artists it's artists yeah, they're artists that that, mm -hmm. that also have to be in the military so yes they, 
for me, um, that's what attracted me was the, because I love taking pictures. Yeah. And doing video. I always did, even in my unit. In fact, my I was I was competing in so for the Soldier of the Year for the state of Arizona, and uh, in which I came in second place, by the way. So always I, I, I've always been second place. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how in my in all my life I feel like I've always been just short of the the winners. Well, that's circle. because I always say God said you have awesome kids. We ha- our family is a hundred percent. So everything else. We get shortchanged. Like, well, you got the perfect family. All yeah. right, then. But um, anyways, so that's where I first met somebody from a public affairs unit. Mm-hmm. They were taking pictures. And my sergeant goes, my, he was my sponsor, says, hey, uh, you love taking pictures and doing all that shit and like video. and Because I was the yes. photographer for our, for our, you for our unit. You were TikTok before there was I was doing TikTok. Yeah, I was doing videos and pictures. Mm-hmm. And even in my, this was when I was in Arizona now with the Guard. Because I transferred when I came back from my first deployment with mm-hmm. the Texas National Guard. I transferred to Arizona. So this is Arizona now. And um, I had already, they had even as an E4, they had already sent me to Warrior Leadership course. Mm-hmm. So I already had all done all that stuff. They were prepping me to be an NCO. Yeah. They loved me. They loved my my um my experience because the unit here didn't get to go to iraq they went to kuwait oh. so a lot of them were they were a little bitter yeah. that they didn't get to go in into iraq some of them went to uh qatar we have a buddy of yeah. mine who's been to iraq multiple times now but he ended up in qatar mm-hmm. which is like the vacation spot and he yeah. loved it right he loved it but and he's still one of my my best friends to this day you know from from my military times and um He's been on the show too. Albert talked about Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, anyways, and um, but but they 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 hadn't gone gotten that chance yet mm-hmm. to go to Iraq. They had just come back from Kuwait, and I had come back from this, you know, Texas Guard. We had been over there, mm-hmm. you know, for for over a year and oh, I think eighteen months altogether from training to Iraq. And uh, I came back with all this experience, you know. Uh, not not saying I had all these medals, but you know mm-hmm. I had had more medals, more opportunities for different things than these guys had. So yeah. my record looked really good. Yeah, and I was I was good at my job, yeah. and I was You're good, good at, at PT, everything. and and so they they selected me right, mm-hmm. and I, I went to the ranks. I got Soldier of the Year for the unit, then I got Soldier of the Year for the battalion, mm-hmm. then I got Soldier of the Year, then I went up for the state. And so um, he's like, yeah, you always love taking pictures. You're the one that takes all the videos for us. I have plenty of artillery, you know, pictures and some videos and stuff like that. And in Iraq, I, that's, I, I used to, that's when I started making movies. Yeah. You know, like shorts, I should say, you know, and recording people, doing media stuff. I had a recorder that I got in basic training yeah. that I would prank people with, right? Yeah. I would ask a question, uh, uh, like, for example, I would say, on tape, I would record myself going, how many wedding cakes do you think you can eat in an hour? And then I'd go up to maybe one of our heavier set uh, <laughs> battle buddies. And in person, I would say to them, I, without recording it, I, I would say, how old are you? Oh, and then no. I would start recording them and they'd be like, I'm 27. Oh, no. And then you play it back and you're like, how many wedding cakes do you say, do what you think you could eat in an hour? All right, 27. You're like, oh. so you're, you know, stupid pranks like that. We would do stupid yes. stuff all the time. So anyway, so he knew that I loved all this. And he goes, I think that's the perfect unit for you. And they, last time they deployed, they went to Florida. That's what he <laughs> said. And I was like. Okay, that's great. I only got a few years left on my contract. Mm-hmm. I, I never expected to stay the whole time after my first tour to yeah. Iraq. Um, and then I ended up staying another five years. But mm-hmm. 
but yeah, so that was how I ended up in, in, in public, public affairs. So I remember everyone was very excited when you were coming over because you were like known as this badass and we are all a bunch of Because none of none losers. of the NCOs yeah. none of the NCOs had been to war leadership course. At no, least. And, and, and and we And were, I wasn't even an NCO and, and we I had already graduated. Yeah. yeah. We were like a misfit, like no, like people would come and go. It was just, and then when, and I, I deployed twice with them and it's like there, everyone, there was never anyone there. And then when it was time to deploy, then they would pull people from all over that liked it. And then they quickly go to school for it. Yeah. And so that way we had, we had no true professionals. Right. They were just all mixed. They yeah. were just One guy was like, like people a professional was, photographer yeah. from, on the outside world. Yeah. So he came in, but he then didn't have to he go to was, school. He was a an idiot. Yeah. Like he was just a jerk. And um we had just like any any leadership whatsoever, they would Came like from, we need an E six. Okay, from bring somewhere else, yeah. Bring someone literally who cannot talk in public to a public affairs, affairs unit. unit. Yeah. And then we had <laughs> a was... commander who I mean, he oh my gosh, like he probably is a hundred percent rated. I think he's still in and he's probably a colonel or something, but he's he's probably 100% rated, but they could have done that rating before he ever left. Like he would cry, he would get very emotional and yeah, he would cry. Up. And then- he shot himself in the hand. I was gonna as, say that. Right, he was a, a patrol officer and he shot himself in the hand. While, while cleaning training. his gun. Yeah, cleaning. And I was just like, so we got, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. The, the, the um the the best of the worst yeah. i guess I don't and know. <laughs> like oh my god this one guy and i didn't know better so because now yes. i'm talking about me and and, and you and because not everybody was horrible i mean it was just a situation right like yeah. obviously like there was you and me and i i honestly think the leadership mm-hmm. could have changed that whole deployment it oh could have god. made everybody tighter they could have made they, it could we have, been have been so a, a close. good you know despite all these misfits like oh, you yeah. said there were I, including myself yeah I, I was a misfit because i was not used to that world i didn't talk like you guys mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't look like you guys i yeah. i my uniform um was uh per, let's say more tactical if you will yeah i had done alterations to my uniforms for for reasons that yeah we're going to iraq here i'm thinking i just came from iraq a few years ago i mm-hmm. know that i lost friends yeah over there i've been shot at i've shot at and people and it's not fun it's, yeah i know what it is i know what it feels like never did i realize that i would be stuck behind a desk doing designs which by the way again helped me to become who i am now yeah. I don't regret that at all. I, 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 the only thing I just, I wish I could have done more. And that's not just on that deployment. That's mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. That's something that's always been sitting with me. I wish I could have done. And today that's bringing that out. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have done more. I wish I could have done this. I should have stuck to my, in my heart. I always wanted to do the tougher jobs, mm-hmm. right? Which is why when we went to Iraq, my first deployment, I signed up for, to do recon, which was outside yeah. the wire patrolling, possibly more danger, but I, I, I didn't want, I wanted to do the tougher jobs. Yeah. And in my overall career, I said, then why didn't you just be patient and continue working out and continue being amazing and, and then leave the guard and go active duty like you wanted mm-hmm. to originally and maybe be a ranger, maybe be a special forces guy. Because you say this, that you wish you could have done more, and you could have. 
Like yeah. that's that's my whole that's the only thing I regret that I kind of got complacent in this in this world, which is fine. Like I said, I don't regret it. Yeah. Because it 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 helped me become who I am now. Yeah. All that all that help all the. Um, training i went through on editing Mm -hmm. and creating a 24 page newspaper and cartoons i mean i started making cartoons yeah so i i can't regret any of that right because Mm -hmm. it's it's made for a good life it's it's it 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 provided me with skills that i now provide for my family with between you and me the what we provide for our family we have it good yeah we have a very very blessed family we we travel we do all kinds of stuff our kids are are spoiled sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i feel like they're spoiled sometimes like that that's how good of a life we've given them with with money and our knowledge and and our side adventures and also the 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 what what we're teaching them yeah right because we we work hard i feel i feel we're lucky yeah and so i'm not trying to downplay any of that stuff i i know how lucky i am but what i'm trying to say and this is part of maybe stuff that like i said i've probably never really told you is that it, part of me inside longs for that, like mm-hmm. wishes, like, and then you know it gets the spiders in my head come mm-hmm. out and they start going. Who cares about family? I should have. I already had my oldest son. Mm-hmm. I we had already divorced and separated, and even though we tried again and got back together and mm-hmm. tried it all over again and had a daughter, which I don't <laughs> regret. No, I don't regret that. All. Uh, obviously, I love Gabby. We love Gabby. She's none of this stuff. Easton wouldn't be here without this happening. Yeah. Gabby wouldn't be here. None of this. So I don't regret it, right? Mm-hmm. But in the dark parts of my mind, I say I should have stopped with Jacob, mm-hmm. and I should have just focused on him. But I should have just been like I should have just gone active duty. Mm-hmm. I should have gone, and I should have because I was I was in great shape back then. I could have yeah. done anything. You know, in my mm-hmm. mind, you know, yeah. I, I came from a cross country and track and football background and in uh, in in in, mm-hmm. in football, you know, so I had I mean, in high school. And so I had tried all these different sports and I had really conquered track and, and cross country, really. And so for me, you know, that wasn't that hard for me anymore. Like in the yeah. military, like I said, I was younger. I was out of shape <laughs> and I got quickly in shape just to join yeah. the military because I was young. Yeah, I could have done it. That was the time to really be all you can be, right? Yeah. Like the army says. And so part of me sometimes regrets not going left instead of turning right, mm-hmm. right? And thinking, because in my head, that's how dark I would get. I was like, I don't care about family no more, right? Mm-hmm. I've already lost the one family, I, the only family that I ever thought I was going to ever have, yeah. you know, because that was my world had ended, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not blaming anybody else but myself. But my point is that that was part of the reason why I didn't care anymore because I was like, I was almost trying to punish myself mm. for not being the husband or the father that I should have been, right? Mm-hmm. So I figured if I sacrifice myself and I'm not there, I would rather not be there for my son because I'm I'm a fucking ranger because I'm a fucking special forces guy because mm-hmm. I'm often doing some weird shit in some part of the country or some part of the world that nobody knows about, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of that vision that I would play in my mind. And I was like, that's more forgiving than being a bum who doesn't take care of his kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because who, who, if you know your dad lives in the same city as you yeah. and he's a bum, yeah. can't afford child support, can't do anything, that's not forgiving. Yeah. But if your father's not present, but he's a badass mm-hmm. fighting the war against terror, yeah. that's forgivable. 
But and, but but I, I, yes, no, and that's I, the crazy. In and me. it, it is not, the crazy because that's cause not cause you. Because I'm, I'm not a because I'm not a loser. No, I'm not. A, and I wouldn't uh, yes. be. And I wasn't. I never did. As soon and as I you, got back, I started working for the bank. Yeah. I was a bouncer at night to make extra money. I delivered food and I worked at the bank. And you judge people all the time, rightfully so, when people are like. Um, yeah, I just went to training camp for six months. I just moved to another state, you know, and I left my wife and my kids because I just needed to focus. And you will be like, what? Like, there's no amount of success that you will ever get. Um, that could make me leave my family. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing because you've had those opportunities in your life. But that's my crazy mind. That, and it's I, so, I knew, so it's so funny because that's I, not you. And, and it and it didn't happen. It I came yeah. back and I I obviously did not go. Like I said, I didn't go left. I went right, and I chose the family. And yeah, the those evil thoughts of me being a bum and not being there for my kids that never happened. No. Yeah, we didn't make it, but. That never stopped me loving my kids and being there for my kids. The yeah. only thing that did was the the next deployment. The next yeah. deployment was, you know, was kind of things were already not so good anymore. And the second deployment that that kind of put the the nail in the coffin there for for my relationship. So yeah, there's a lot of things that the military did good for me. There's a lot of things that that it also kind of uh, got in the way of because it did oh. take me from my family and take you mm -hmm. from your family too, right? And oh, I say all the time. I wrote a article about like because for me I came from such so much poverty that I remember basic training was probably the first time in my life I had three meals a day I never remember having three meals yeah. a day and but basic training that no matter what happened you will have that so I always had this appreciation for what the military gave me but I also know that all of these traits we're, we're learning that this very intense, authoritative um, leadership style doesn't necessarily create the healthiest minds. No. And I won't go into all that, but, um, you know, that's a whole nother episode about like, you know, they somewhere along the way they went from taking care of soldiers to just a power trip. And so many bad leaders just are on this power trip and it's very authoritative authoritative versus service-based. Well, because you have people that were working as luggage handlers yes. on the civilian side, but they were master sergeants in the military. Yes, welcome and to the National Guard. all of a sudden they're active and they have power over yes. you and you fold your sleeves one way and they're fucking trying to chapter you out because yes. you because you roll up your sleeves exactly because like i mentioned earlier my uniforms you know they didn't always match your guys uniforms you know like yeah but i mean i i get it you know if you had approached me in a different way say hey son i get it i was also in a in a line unit yeah just like you were i know things are doing you know different like the line unit you know because we didn't want our shit getting stuck everywhere and sometimes Pockets disappeared from your uniforms and nobody cared. Yeah. You rolled up your sleeves. You did whatever mm -hmm. you could to get, you know, so that they wouldn't get caught on your weapon systems. Uh, you're in a turret. You don't want stuff sticking out. So you look, your 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 vest looks a little bit different than everybody else's. And nobody cares because they understand why you made those alter reason. altercations to your uniforms. Because you're actually out there using real teals, alterations. Thanks. Yeah, 
and altercations sometimes too. Because <laughs> you I, have altercations. You know, you know how many times I had to fight my uniform <laughs> or my, my vest in particular just to yes. get it on and get it off. And especially after a long day and you're hot and sweaty and you can't mm-hmm. get that thing off and you're so pissed off, you're like just struggling to yes. take off your gear. You know. Uh, struggling to take off your, you can't take your boots off quick enough oh, on those days, right? So yes, there are alterations and alterations. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, and so you, there were many different ways to approach someone instead of just trying to get everybody against you for being different. Yeah, and they were, and that's the problem that that like I'll always defend the National Guard. Like you can't have a war without us because the military can't afford and i could never have done active duty yeah i i i don't want to ask someone permission to take a friday off like you know like i've always been i could so active duty never appealed to me at all um the national guard always seemed like oh this is the best of well you did 22 worlds. years even after how, <laughs> how even after how hard you had it how yeah. tough you had it you i always said everybody always out to get you yeah. Never enjoyed your style of leadership, even though you were the only one that people trusted. You still have your soldiers calling you. I know. That's the thing that I, uh, that's the piece I have. You took I care have. of the people. I, but I. It, co- it cost you rank. It did. It cost it, you rank. It's like, it cost you I always all treat, kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, but now but with the my soldiers. people still come to me. Like, no one's on a pa- podcast talking shit about me. They're sending me texts and messages and on veterans day like i get messages i no one can ever say that i did not take care of them where our leadership just was like like i call it oh my gosh i'm gonna get myself in trouble but the national guard just gets full of this army welfare um and if you want to i know it's like it's called um um, AGR, AG? Jesus, AGR, yeah. like the the National Guard, you get these full time jobs, and it's literally you are a baggage handler. One and day, one day with no education, and then there's like this little AGR job that opens up, and you get it, and then they they just it all goes to their head. They just they have no skills. They. Oh my God, it's it's death, and you're just watching them, and you're like, you know, this d- isn't how the real world works. Like, and that's the thing in the National Guard, you live in the real world. So they would talk to people, like, like handing a piece of paper and be like, here's this goddamn paper, and you're like, this is why you have to stay in this, and then they get so scared that yeah, all they care they, about. They can't do that in the civilian world. And no. anyway, and and the things you're talking about, yeah. those are actually those are light things. I would say those are even light. Oh yeah. Because the screaming, the yelling, all that would do is make me okay, cool, man. I don't yeah. want to be here. Um, because even in even in active duty, like it, it's you can't just yell. The the best leaders, and I've known some active duty leaders. Yeah. Some of the best. I mean, Master Sergeant Napier. A Master active duty guy. Napier is... I mean, he had... I don't even know how many years he had already. Almost... I think he was almost in his teens. Like, almost 20 years. Yeah. He's a Master Sergeant. He was the the most ripped freaking yeah, NCO I've looked ever like met. like Superman. Superman. Black Superman. Yes. The dude would run a mile to the test, PD test. Still smoke everybody. Yeah. And he was older. He was probably in his 30s. Yeah. Right? Like, and so, in late third, mid to late 30s. I mean, 
he wasn't young. I mean, I mean, for the military, he was, yeah. I mean, he was a master sergeant, active duty guy. And the guy was tough as nails, but he never disrespected. And he yelled at you. He yes. yelled at you. He yelled at me. He yelled at all of us. And, but he, he's the one who trained us, gave us our, our combatives level but two. But he never really, he, yeah, he, he, he would say certain things, he, but strong. very strong and very, but he never, he, he was he so respectful. He, that's the point. You can yeah. do those things. And I don't care. I don't care if you're, if you're active duty. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, yeah, guys are pussies, National Guard, not useless. It's, that's not it. Trust me. Even it's active not. duty guys. Yeah. There's a way you talk to somebody with authority. And one way is to not be fake. Yes. If you're trying to scream like that and you're telling people, fuck this and fuck that and, and mm-hmm. whatever and get this on my fucking desk before I fucking choke you, things like that. Yeah. It's not going to go very far. I don't no. care if you're active duty. I don't care if you say that's the way we did it. No, that that is not the way. I Even know. In, e- don't fucking lie to me. That is you wouldn't fucking take that from anybody. Yeah. True leadership does not require you to insult somebody unless they really fucked up and you're kind of fucking with them. Yeah. Because you can accept that. You're like, I get it. I fucked up. You called me numb nuts. You called me a shithead. Yeah. You called me all the funny fucking comments that a drill sergeant calls you. I mm-hmm. fucked up. I get it. Or you smoke me. Smoke me. Yeah. That's fine. I'll, I did it. I've, I've been smoked by a lieutenant before who said we can do it the easy way. You can do it, you know, my way. Yeah. And my way is the hard way, but it leaves no paper trails. Yeah. And me and the group of people were like, we'll do it your way. And his name was Lieutenant Payne, by the way. <laughs> Biggest motherfucker. I mean, we're talking about Master Napier. This mm-hmm. guy was bigger than Napier. He wasn't as jacked. Napier was cut. Cut. Through his T-shirt. You could, yes. see, you could see his abs through his fucking T-shirt. Yes. Payne was an old rugby guy. Oh. So Payne was a just a big son of a bitch. Yeah. Lieutenant fucking Payne. <laughs> and he did it the old school way. And yeah. and so and and at not at one point did we feel like he disrespected, but he, he yeah. made us go through a gauntlet of fucking pain mm-hmm. for an hour, hour and a half. And to the point where somebody from a different unit mm-hmm. that was with us when we got in trouble, uh came in and he said i have no authority over you i cannot smoke you he's like i'm i'm okay and he was in the seven he was air force actually yeah and we were combined forces at the time we had air force and, and our, our army guys doing operations together yeah and uh he was in charge of our team and so he's like nope he was i was there with them i should have stopped it and oh. we didn't so i'm gonna fucking That's suck cool. it up yeah you know and he did and but he warned me he goes I have no authority of you. I can't tell you what to do. Uh, you don't have to be part of this. And he goes, yeah. your, your unit can take care of you or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he's like, no, I'll stay in. And that's how much we knew that we needed that. We didn't want it, but well, yeah. like, we got caught. We got to pay yeah. the piper. He said, you got to pay the piper. And we did. We paid the piper. I know. But uh, what I'm saying is there's so many ways you can make people do even worse things than what these guys, these douchebags yeah, were telling us to do. Just, but we, you, but yeah. but I took it from that leader because I liked that leader yeah. and I respected that leader, and so I took my punishment. And if you if you cuss at me is because I fucked up, and I know. But when you're every day treating people like they're a bunch of morons, that's a whole different story. Yeah. So I don't care if you're active duty, reserve, National Guard, whatever. Yeah. There is a certain way, and people. Let's just admit it. If you're one of those people that that wants to talk shit because you're like you guys aren't used to it then you're probably one of those toxic leaders that just and and let me tell you this i don't even care if you're toxic i can handle you trust me i can handle toxic leadership um i've done it in the past physically and and Mm -hmm. and mentally i can handle you so that's not the problem but the 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 problem is 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 the mental aspect Mm -hmm. 
the mental aspect, you're not a good leader. Yeah, you're so, not good. So, so I think a worse punishment or a worse uh, uh, comment would would say that not 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 only are you a douchebag, you're just you're not a good leader. So yeah. if you think that 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 we're weak because we didn't like that style of leadership. That means you're just not a good leader because a good leader has to go a little bit further, has to hold the anger in. Mm-hmm. They have to be a better example. They have to be mm-hmm. respected. They have to find a way to get respected. And so if you weren't one of those, then that means you were lazy. Yeah. You were a lazy, no good leader because you didn't put the, the work in to be effective and be respected. Because mm-hmm. when you're respected, you don't get talked about like this. And I'm going to say something else that's going to get me in trouble. The 22 a day. You know mm-hmm. how yeah. we say veterans, there's 22 suicides yeah. a day. The majority is not from what they saw. It's yeah. not from what happened to them over there. It is toxic leadership. Yeah. I think uh, less than half of them, uh, less than half of the people that they were discovering uh, that had committed suicide mm-hmm. had not been deployed. Yeah. And even the ones that had deployed it wasn't exactly sure if their suicide was related to their deployment. Yes. You know I'm saying? So, so less, less people than mm-hmm. we thought were committing suicides because of war. Everyone thought this war is what's yeah, making it happen. Making... No, I think it's that it brought out the douchebag leaders. Yeah, and it's people the toxic... People handle it. But yeah, and it's the toxic leadership because you can go through many things because it, as bad as war is, war, there's some tragic, tragic stories. But you're also looking at 9-11 what happened to them of people having to crawl out watching bodies fall from the ground and they were treated with respect and dignity so we don't hear as much of PTSD and suicides from the survivors of that day because they were treated a certain way they were the whole world lifted them up and I think that that's what we're seeing is that you can go through some bad things, but if you're treated, it's how you're treated in that time on on how you're going to be able to recover. So if you go through and you're allowed to process it and you're not told to just shut up because this is how it is and quit whining and all of that, then, yeah, you're going <laughs> to come out and you're going to commit suicide. But if you're allowed to actually process um, your feelings and your emotions because war is tough. Feelings are hard. Yeah. It's the stupidest thing because when you're around a bunch of, let's just say just dudes. Because mm-hmm. with women and, and men, I, I know that it the relationships are a little bit different, um, but uh, I feel like there's more openness mm-hmm. in those type of units to talk. I don't know if it's because the whole female aspect of it mm-hmm. makes it a little bit lighter of a situation. Uh, to be in and to be able to speak or maybe it might make it harder for some but I know that it's it's the, the it's a little bit different but when it's just men I mm-hmm. can speak on that yeah we'll talk and we'll break down mm-hmm. and we'll help each other out um, and so when you talk about emotions and, and, and talking stuff out and things and processing there's a lot of people that are going to talk shit again and say like that's stupid because when we were going through those master resiliency training classes that the military came out with right from the university of pennsylvania training how to be more resilient training your soldiers because we were trying to combat suicide yeah and so a lot of people talk shit about that training 
because it involved emotions. It involved talking. And they were like, that's stupid. That's dumb. And then they would go to this training and they're like, okay, that's cool. I'm like, you guys are idiots. You guys are doing this with your battle buddies. That's all yeah. we need. The only difference is that, especially for the guard, you come home and you're back in your, your, your neighborhood. You're back in your schools, your kids, your family. You're not back at a unit. Yeah. And you're not around like-minded people. You have to process that on your own. In active duty, at least you come back to your unit. You guys can at least talk about it when you get back home because you're together, you know, almost 24-7. You live pretty close together. You live on base. You're in the same neighborhood. And the your neighbors are also military. There's a good chance they got deployed. So you all know each other. It's 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 a better chance to communicate. Now, the only thing that's tough is like it started happening in Vietnam where people were being flown in separately, right? Onesies and twosies here and there just to supplement like you know, all the people, all the soldiers dying. Yeah. Uh, and so they would fly in and fly out all the time. And within a few hours, within a few days, you'd be home alone, out processing everything in Vietnam. World War II was different. Mm -hmm. Right? Korea was different. We would ship people out. It would take two, three months out at sea. Coming back home, same thing. You'd have two or three months to, to process Yeah. what happened and to talk mm -hmm. and be with each other. And some people believe that that is that that kind of that window, that 90 day window, which is why I don't know if you know this, but like the yellow ribbon program was mm -hmm. a 90 day program. Remember, you come yeah. back from from overseas and then 30 days later, you'd mm -hmm. go to your first event. It was a two day event. And then you'd go the 30 days after that or 60 days after deploying or coming yeah. back from deployment. You'd go again. And then finally, mm -hmm. on the 90th day from your deployment. You'd come back, you'd do your final checkout, you'd talk to people from the VA, you'd get all your paperwork done, and you'd sign up for classes, schools, uh, whatever you wanted. You know, you'd, if you needed help, therapy, like that's where you signed up for the American Legions, you gave you a free year, ben uh, free year membership, all that stuff. This is where you would do all this. If you're looking for a job, you'd have job fairs, all that stuff. It was 90 days because that's what's thought to be the, the prime time to fix someone is those first 90 days. But think what they missed is that you're not seeing these people every day for 90 days you're only seeing them three times in those 90 days yeah. so how is that supposed to really help you exactly. whereas before when let's say in world war ii when they were coming back home on a boat they literally had they were together for like 60 to 90 yeah. days they every day they woke up they could process it on their, it own, on their own with 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 the people around them who actually went through it who were respected right now you're looking you're talking to counselors that have no clue about war yeah they might be professionals and, and therapists but mm -hmm. they have n they really have no clue as to what you went through right so a lot of them had issues mm -hmm. identifying and and really trusting counselors and therapists so there's that too but we said we were going to go short and we ended up going over an hour. Oh, Jesus. Uh, because we were going to play um, the um, um, last year. Mm -hmm. I recorded uh, Colonel uh, Schmidt. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he talked about his, his just uh, in, in general, his, his military career, his experience. Uh, he was the commander of Camp Buka, where, where I was stationed on my first deployment. And uh, uh, for about uh, 10, uh, 15 minutes, I believe, he talked about his experience on 9-11. He was actually stationed, uh, he was at the Pentagon when the Pentagon got hit. And he talks about it. So Crazy. I'm going to save that mm -hmm. for next week, actually. Okay. Uh, Tales from the Guard Tower, since we've already gone oh, yeah. pretty long. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll talk about his experience and then we'll, we'll play it. Um, that that interview or that yeah. that piece and and we'll 
we'll we'll dedicate September um, uh, to 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 9/11 and, and and Afghanistan, Iraq, and kind of the our journey. If you will, we'll continue talking next next week, uh, but we'll play you uh, Colonel Schmidt's uh, interview, which is pretty interesting, because uh, he was part of the war room. He uh, he, um, you know, they got hit and he got he got injured. He still has injuries from then, uh, mm-hmm. from that 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 day yeah, that crazy. he he describes and he, he talks about in, in detail. So uh, I like stay. that you're making that change because it feels like a, a very military thing when you say we train we train to standard not to time yeah um so it's like the this 9-11 thing is is strong it's here and so just because we have like well this is our schedule this is what we're gonna do it's like i like that you're changing it next week we'll, yeah, we don't we'll still yeah we don't we don't really 9/11. have a um a schedule i mean yeah. we, we do have a, a set schedule but um it's you know we can change it i, I like think it. september um gives mm-hmm. us that authority to do whatever exactly. we want to so and because who knew we were going to be in our feelings like yeah this and, past month and i, like, want, no I wanted to go known. with it and i wanted to kind of capture our thoughts and and what we went through on that day so at least it's it's uh recorded and our kids can come back and, and listen to this so one day yep. and <laughs> <laughs> know what we went through but uh Speaking of Camp Buka, where I was stationed, uh, another person that I wanted to mention, and we'll cover him as well throughout the rest of this month, too. So kind of a, a heads up on, on what's to come. Right. So we'll talk about Colonel Schmidt and we'll play his interview f- uh, about uh, his, his the events of uh, 9-11, specifically the Pentagon and what he went through. And then we'll talk about uh, uh, Ronald Buka. Ronald Buka uh, was um, a fire. Um, he was in the fire department in New York. In 9/11, he used to be a special forces uh, um, service member in Vietnam, so he was in the military. Uh, but he was also the first. Uh, let me see. It says here uh, he was the first New York City Fire Department. Um, what was it? marshal? Fire marshal to be killed in the line of duty mm. because um, he that was the kind of guy he was. Yeah, he was there and he wanted to help out and. So they named Camp Buka after him. Uh, we'll get into the details uh, when we cover his story. Mm-hmm. But um, the last person I wanted to mention too was let's not remember Todd, or let's not forget. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's long. It's it's been a long day. Uh, Todd Beamer, do you remember Tom Beamer? Flight ninety three. Was he the badass? He was the badass, and he's the guy that had the phone call. And there were several phone calls, but his was recorded. He actually called. Uh, I don't know which number he called. I don't. I don't think it was like nine eleven. I think it was some special number that because he think he used the phone uh, on the plane. Oh. Uh, and he called some 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 number, and they connected him with the FBI. Uh, I actually have the wow. the the. The log of of the recording, wow. um, and so we'll we'll cover him as well. Oh, we'll talk yeah, about him because that. that's and his famous quote at the end is "Let's roll, let's roll," right? But he describes exactly what they're doing on this phone call. He describes what he's doing. He talks to the the operator and and asks him to uh, or asks her to please tell his wife and kids that he loves them and mm-hmm. he misses them and because he knew what he was gonna do. Yeah. They had uh, someone else had been talking on a cell phone to their family members. And apparently they were telling him the they they just ran a second airplane into the World Trade oh Center, so they knew then that they yeah. were yeah. And when he asked the operator too, they're like, "I'm not gonna lie to you, like, yeah, they just had one hit the Pentagon too." Jeez. 
So, and that's when they this talked. He goes, crazy. I'll be back. He came back a few minutes later. FBI was on the line, and that's when they decided. He's like, okay, so we've come up with a plan. And then at the end, he's famous last words. Let's roll. So I think he deserves to be talked yeah. about. There's so many heroes. There's so many oh, people. Oh, so many. But um, we'll we'll try to cover the main topics and, and, and you know, if anybody wants to chime in this mm-hmm. month, you know, um, let us know. Write to us on our Facebook page and let us know if you got any stories you want to share. But if not, we'll just continue on September yeah. honoring um, um, all our fallen, all our heroes, victims of 9-11 and the aftermath. So Yeah. Including our our families, because they, when I say aftermath, doesn't have to be always negative, right? It's good, yeah. bad, and different. And and our family, I feel, was was kind of almost created, you know. Yeah. Because of nine eleven, you may have not joined again. I may have not joined, or if I may have joined, I may have not ever seen you because I I'm if there was you no war. At, yeah. Who I knows where it would have been? And I would not. I know a hundred percent. I never would have joined back in. Um. I was definitely, like, the only thing, uh, yeah, I would not have joined. It, the military did not call no me. No Easton. So if our kids are, are listening to this, if mm-hmm. they were listen to this, uh, we love you guys. Yeah. And uh, we regret nothing. While um, I have a lot of sad memories, there was a lot of things that in my, in my, my dark brain, I like to call it the dark side, the dark side, the dark side of my brain where all the spiders and goblins hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that I wish I could have done different. I could have been better at and whatever that, that case might mm-hmm. be, I, you know, made different choices. I mean, we all go through that shit, whatever. But at the end of the day, no matter what the dark side of my brain tells me or says or, or, or speaks to me, mm-hmm. um, I don't regret anything. No, nope. you know I love you, kids. I love I love the family. I love where we're we're at now. We've uh, worked very very hard to to be where we're at, you know. And I'm gonna work even harder to just be the best person I can be, not only just for my kids and my family, but for all those people that gave their lives, mm-hmm. all the people that did the things that that I never did, yeah, that I wanted to do, that I that I said yes or mm-hmm. wish I could or. Um, I could do all the wishing in the world, but you know, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, but I want to honor all those people, yeah. people that pay the ultimate sacrifice, my friends, you know, uh, even after the yeah. war, you know, we some got, of yeah. my, some of the worst deaths came, after. uh, by suicide, you know, including one of my, my other, uh, favorite, uh, NCOs and leaders, uh, Sergeant Mullins, you know, who took yeah. his life. I don't know. So for all those people and for my family, I will continue to do my best and, and try to keep the goblins down yeah. <laughs> to, a, to a healthy level. Keep exactly. turn on, try to try to turn on the lights mm-hmm. in the dark spaces every yes. once in a while, at least just to make sure nothing too crazy is going on <laughs> <laughs> in there. You know, keep keep the dark side in Correct. check. Uh, so for you guys and for for all our heroes, uh, I will I will I promise to do my best. And you do it every day. So I get to watch you. It's my favorite show. The <laughs> <laughs> shit show, but it's a show. <laughs> it's my favorite. I don't miss an episode. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for, for staying with us. Thanks for sitting through our therapy. Yeah. This was the therapist in the corner is like, um, this wasn't a sh- I didn't know this was a show. I didn't know you guys were going to record I thought this. This was just our, our weekly meeting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> weekly therapy session. 
All right, There's guys. not even microphones. She goes, what are you talking into? <laughs> Sorry. For Crystal, <laughs> let me join the fight. Greedy. <laughs> I'm outside the wire guire. Love you guys. Don't forget to save the pingo lens. Yeah.